Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Pounds, pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are here. I have one. Oh, thank goodness. Do it. We're here today to put the her in lawnmower. Can you hear my my lawn being mowed? Is that what that is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't hear it. Vaguely. Just just like literally when we started talking, I could like right now I heard it, but not before. We'll see how nice our setup is. If we have people messaging being like, what lawnmower? I didn't hear it. Then we'll know that our system is perfect. And we when need you said no yard guy, did you just, is that your new name for Matthew? <laughs> yard guy. That's my yard guy. We actually, we were doing this thing where it's like, I'd, we just didn't want to buy a lawnmower. <laughs> like we got here and we had to buy a washer and dryer and then a bunch of other little things. And then we got a dining table and we got a really good deal on that. But at a certain point you're just like, we can't buy any more things. <laughs> like even if, even if we have the money, we can't buy anymore. We're, we're towing the line. <laughs> You've reached your limit. So for some reason, just paying someone for now to go do it. Cause I actually like working in the yard. Yeah, but I knew that about you. You know. Yeah. I also, I mean, I I don't know what kind of mower we'd buy, and I feel like it's different when you watch the guy like ride around on a riding mower, just kind of like <laughs> listening to a podcast, <laughs> than being like, oh, we can afford, we can af- we can't even afford a gas or electric mower. We can afford no. one of the push mowers. <laughs> yes. And it becomes less fun. Yeah. But anyway. Lawnmower. No, that was perfect. I should add it to our list. Just kidding. I won't do that. That's not oh, going to no. happen. Should we at least like, okay, so we have the list up until what date? Last week. Okay. So? Theoretically, it's manageable, but. From now on, in four years, when we ask for the, the updated list, you won't actually have to go back to the beginning years. <laughs> you'll just have to go back to today to june. Which we're not june 2023 and we're not going to probably keep track of that no so someone write it down <laughs> someone not me surely not me but definitely someone <laughs> my name's summer yeager i'm here with my beautiful we co-host Joy. we didn't even get to that part yet no <laughs> One of our listeners said, hey, I've been listening for a long time, and this episode was really weird. About last week? Oh. hmm And I was like, you know, we just, we have to get in our flow again. Like, we just aren't in a groove yet, and it's just going to be weird. And maybe the only reason you know is because you've been listening for a long time. So that actually sounds like a you problem. <laughs> you know 
That's a weird thing that yeah. you've done. You've done the weird thing. <laughs> hey, you also have done something weird. Maybe we did something weird, but you also. <laughs> We're all here together. You joined us in doing something weird. It's true. Was here my- we are. <laughs> okay, I got an email uh, question for you. Oh, okay. And um, I'm not going to read the whole email because... Because, but here's the question. I think we need to start using that more. We just need to be like, because. Just because. Just because. Because. Let the listener understand. Because. Because. That's what's happening. (laughs) Okay, here's the question. As a fellow, and this is for you, obviously, not for me. As a fellow unimpressed person... (laughs) how do you encourage your husband thanks tara snodgrass (laughs) um i well this is probably a good question for my husband (laughs) like what do i do that encourages him (laughs) but typically so typically the I guess the number one thing I can do to encourage him is to remind him of why he's doing what he's doing. Okay. Cause sometimes you can keep track of that a little better than your husband. Yeah. Um, Cause he's like in the trenches doing the work. He's the one that, um, you know, interfaces with the mission. And whereas I'm just, you know, not that women are uninvolved, but we're just, we're making it all work and making it all happen. And sometimes we just have, it's easier to recall the greater purpose for why we're doing what we're doing. And then I would say that it's just naturally encouraging. If you have like a little biblical dissertation as to why your husband has chosen the things he's chosen, like why he works his job, what he's working on, what he's studying, all that stuff, then it's going to be men are just encouraged uh, when they're reminded of like the power of their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think probably that. Yeah. Yeah, how do you encourage a dude? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, because they don't <laughs> they don't need the encouragement in the same way. I think just acknowledging that is probably important. Like they don't yeah. want to be encur- like you wouldn't encourage your husband the same way that you would encourage your friend, you know, that's a girl. Like you don't <laughs> It's such a different um it's such a different thing. And I think for me, just remembering that is really important. And um, remembering that, like, I don't want him. It's easier for you as a wife to embrace that if you just, like, take a second and, like, <laughs> you've never really, you might. You, it might be easier for you, but you've never really wanted your husband to be a woman, right? Like you've never been like, man, I wish he was a woman, 
but there might be ways that you treat him where you're like kind of indirectly being like man it would be easier for me if you were a woman because I would know better how to interact with you right now and that might be real um, but that's part of you know marriage is learning how to like learning your spouse and meeting their needs is part of the job description right yeah yes. yeah yes yeah okay. I think that often we often our primary complaint with our spouse is that they're not the same <laughs> gender as we are yeah. like we wouldn't think of it so clearly yeah. as that mm-hmm. but that's really ultimately it and it's like yeah. what did you want to marry another yeah. woman may what it never it? be like right. get that out of your mouth like why right. are you like right. if that if that sounds crazy to you just right. stop stop wishing you were married to a, a woman <laughs> right one of the things I, i'll say to eric or he'll say to me just like to again just be lighthearted in a moment of maybe disagreement or if one of us is having a hard time with the other one of us will say you know what if you were just me you would know <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> what to do or yep. if you were just me right now then you would be right <laughs> you know and it's yep. totally a joke but that's kind of like just the acknowledgement of like okay we need to work together or we're just miscommunicating or and it's just kind of like a you know well if you were me <laughs> yeah no, there would never totally be true. any problem <laughs> <laughs> if we were just of one mind and didn't have to work at that at all. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, as the, as the unimpressed spouse, especially I do, I would imagine it's hard when the wife is the unimpressed spouse, mm. just because men, men really do. They want, they want that, like, like the best thing. I think I, I forget where I said it once, but like, like a woman feels most accomplished entering a room when it's when she's like catered to every little detail in the room and like the temperature is good and it's clean and there's good smells and and then a, a man feels like most accomplished when he comes into a room if he's like saving it if he's like solving a problem in the room like the room's on fire and he's like Shh. and he's like oh take took care of that but it's hard it could be hard if you're if you're a man married to an unimpressed woman <laughs> but the good news is if you just always appeal to like how he's saving the world like what's your mission like where does god how does god have you governing what is your husband's doma- dominion making then that's like you're basically like remember you're saving the world babe <laughs> just remember that <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, let's see. You can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. You guys have been leaving great voicemails. We had a lot of really positive feedback regarding our the idea someone gave us of making a cookbook. Oh, yes. We, we, I've been we, thinking about that even. We, we heard a lot on that. So maybe that's something we actually I have need ideas. to take seriously. You have ideas? I have ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I have ideas because I have, I have 10 tricks up my sleeve. So Ooh. I can just, okay, that's it. You know, once, but once I write those 10, 
that will be the only cookbook <laughs> that I could possibly produce. <laughs> only to work on my next one. Give us ten. another. Yeah, give yeah, me another work, three years, a, and then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, let's see what else we need to tell them. Well, I I missed book club this week because the stomach yeah. flu visited our home and you know if you guys thought last week's episode was weird i want to pass out <laughs> this is going to be super interesting i don't know what i'm about to say there was one point this morning where my daughter legitimately thought i was just going to like walk into a broom because i couldn't see it and just fall <laughs> so that's how together I have it. She Nutrients like saw my low. life. Yeah, she like saw my life flash before her eyes. Um, because I I just have not recovered yet. This has been the least fun. I did finally. I was excited to um. You know, it was a milestone in our marriage. My husband and I have never thrown up at the same time before, so that was really oh. a special, a special time. <laughs> <laughs> in our life around midnight the other night and also 4 a.m. and also yeah. 10 a.m. and also <laughs> continuously oh man but I think I was just so I was so drained I was just like wow I'm gonna choose to look at this as a special first you know we've been married for almost six years so not a lot of firsts left um but this, yeah this is one of them that we get a tick off the box yeah yeah well you know sometimes you either laugh or or you drive off a cliff and um <laughs> i'm gonna laugh about it that's yep. what we're gonna do if you're laughing you made the right decision <laughs> <laughs> so well that leads great into our topic doesn't it um we had an email from someone this week who this and it's this is like let's just say this at the outset can we just acknowledge that someone asking us to talk about this is like did, did it make you laugh a little bit it made me laugh a little bit like oh <laughs> yes you've come to the expert <laughs> Um, okay. But then, but then I took a step back because he, he wanted us to talk about how to suffer well. And I guess I said something in some previous episode about the need to suffer well, which, okay, my words are coming back to haunt me. Um, but the more I thought about it as a possible topic, the more I was like, you know, this actually is a the duty of a Christian wherever they're planted to suffer well in whatever ways it's brought into their life, however small or great, however inconvenient or traumatizing. And so I don't think you have to um, necessarily have bona fides, right? Um, in order to talk about suffering. I think we're all born and because of sin, we will all experience suffering at some level and some constant level. Um, we're not, you know, Eastern 
mystics who believe all of life is suffering, but we acknowledge that the fall affects everything that we do. So there will be some level or degree of pain or difficulty in most things at some point. And so I was like, you know, I actually think it would be silly to not talk about this topic um, because it might be a Western thing to go, oh, what are the different levels of, you know, you have to reach a certain level of suffering in order to talk about suffering. Um, And then I thought about Paul giving all of his bona fides in Philippians. Tell me it's Philippians because my brain's not working. Paul gives all his bona fides in Philippians. (laughs) Right. He's like, I was the, the Jewest of Jews. Right. I was I was it is what he says. Like, I don't think you're allowed to say that. Well, it's too late. Wait, I recorded it. It's already there. It's, you know, I'm not editing this, um, but he does. He gives his, his list of like, here's why I get to talk about this topic. Now, he doesn't do it in every he gets to talk about finding joy, right? And being content in all circumstances and all the things that he lost because he was, he was Paul, like he was the man. Um, And so you and I, before, when we've come to topics, we've refused to give our bona fides, right? Because that's kind of what the world does. The world says, yeah, you can't talk about this topic unless you meet all these like intersectional points um and so i think paul is an example of sometimes it's appropriate to give your bona fides to give your credentials and say here's why i can i can tell you from experience and sometimes i think we need to get out of the mindset of doing that of uh needing to give a list of well here's you know I experienced this, therefore I get to say, because ultimately what we need to stand on is biblical wisdom, regardless of what our experiences have been. Um, But I truly believe, uh, and if you've ever worked in ministry, you come to find out behind the scenes of most people's life, because we've all been affected by the fall and by sin, our own sin, others' sin, um, the world, the flesh, the devil, right? You work in ministry, you find out that people that people are going through it. <laughs> like yeah. everyone, everyone has got something serious going on yeah. in some way that you don't know about. Um, so anyway, all that to say. I think if you're a Christian seeking to honor God in your trials, then you have all the bona fides you need to talk to someone about how to suffer well and what that means. And if you're thinking, oh, well, I've never suffered well, I would say, well, I would probably challenge you to two things. One, well, are you sure about that? Like maybe you need to adjust your definition of suffering. Um, maybe you need to adjust your definition of suffering well. I mean, have you ever lost a loved one? Um, have you ever, you know what I mean? There's so many, like, just life <laughs> is hard. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people are like suffering, like, oh, you can only say that if you, you know, are destitute and living on the streets. That it's like, well, I know people that have been destitute and living on the streets that are more joyful than you <laughs> have ever been. Um, so, you know, adjust your, 
adjust your expectation. But anyway, I do think all Christians should be prepared for suffering and should. And then my second challenge would just be like, okay, well, if it's true that you've never suffered well, you've only suffered poorly, um, what needs to change? And you should figure yeah. that out like now. <laughs> yeah. Now's like right the time. Now, now is the time. Yep. It, it, yep. The next time you start to suffer, here it is. Here's your opportunity. <laughs> Be prepared. Well, that's kind of my, that's kind of my thought too, is that, um, that's how I, that's how we need to think of suffering. We need to think of suffering as an opportunity. There's, I mean, this is a countless, this happens countlessly in the Bible where, I mean, specifically even Paul talks about it quite a bit, like counting it is joy to suffer. Um, and so I think, you know, we're promised suffering and the struggle with suffering is that all this darkness and sadness and, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that comes with suffering that's not inherently sinful, but that we turn into sin. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, especially if we have never even thought about what suffering well looks like, we're probably <laughs> starting with no definition is not a good idea. Starting <laughs> with a, I think I know, I think I have an idea. Um, not a great definition. That kind of means it indicates to me you have not thought about it enough. Um, and we all have things, we have many things that we, we, that's a part of growing is realizing that your definition was not sufficient <laughs> and being like, oh, hmm, I need to fill that in a little bit. But, right. um, but I think that that's the purpose of a lot of um, counting suffering as joy in the Bible. A lot of it is taking that suffering and the sin the temptation to sin that might be there in those moments and making those moments an opportunity for faithfulness and then that kind of ties into what we've talked about a lot recently even even which is just like these little moments of faithfulness so like having a day or a week or months or years where you're dealing with something that's anguishing and um depressing or difficult uh, physically or emotionally. Um, those are the moments where you are practicing either sin or faithfulness. And that means that, um, that when you suffer, you're given, it's like, here's your, here, do a quick little rep, do a little, you know, do a little set. Um, and it's, it's, uh, I think sometimes the enemy suffering is where the enemy like delights. He's like, Oh, look, here's this person going to falter. And I, you know, this is finally, I've, I've, they're, they're so, I, they so idolize their comfort. And, and here I am about to take this person down and they're going to be destroyed. And that's what the enemy wants to do to us. That's what sin see seeks to do to us is destroy us. But it's actually, and this is so just um, if you want to uh, an image of what God is like, <laughs> um, it's like the enemy believes he's made 
this foothold and he's had this moment where he's like defeated someone. But in the bigger picture, zooming out, God's like, this is this is a moment for obedience. This is a purifying moment. This is a moment where you like all these little moments of this day or this week or this month or this year are adding up to you practicing your faith. Yeah. Um, and, and not in the best of circumstances, but I just, uh, I love the idea that we are, um, I, I love the, I, I, I don't know. Um, again, I think, well, maybe it's contextualized a little bit. I was thinking about like the story that God is telling. Mm-hmm. And I, so even just in that context, like the story of this villain who like thinks he's so clever and so just like winning and he's just not, he's mm-hmm. not because God's people practice their faithfulness. They right. suffer. And in those moments they say, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm not despairing. Like I'm here to fight right. and I'm going to get stronger and I'm going to become more purified through my obedience in these moments. Um, and it's like this very, very theatrical and dramatic, like, switch it's like this little bit of irony you know yeah (laughs) like the enemy doesn't know but we know (laughs) right and uh i don't know so that's that's a lot of what i've been thinking about um just in terms of suffering well i I mean i think to uh anyone if you're like struggling to fill in your definition i would absolutely recommend any reading done i mean obviously uh, of course the bible hopefully that goes without saying at this point (laughs) but i think reading (laughs) reading the story of someone's suffering so like we read in book club we've read fair sunshine we've read the pastor's wife by sabina wormbrand um i think that that can so help yeah that's it just transforms you to see to watch someone else suffer well especially I mean, and not necessarily, but especially in in an instance where you probably almost would give them a pass to despair <laughs> and they still didn't. Right. Yeah. I think one of the problems we have in thinking or talking about suffering is making a distinction, which is that sometimes suffering is just good and sometimes it is bad and needs to be alleviated. So like, what is our responsibility towards the suffering? I think, you know, there's suffering that is self-inflicted. There's suffering that is others inflicted. Um, And there's suffering that is just a natural result of the fall. And so I think where a lot of people get tripped up and even thinking about it, um, and you hear a lot of people coming out of like people that are deconstructing, like to talk about this a lot. They like to talk about how, Oh, you know, religious high control religion wants you to suffer. And, and they're really angsty and and bitter on this topic. And I think something super important that we need to have our heads on straight about um, is what is our duty towards suffering So I would say that there's two things to consider, which is number one, you know, think about 
this is just a, a real life one for me is, you know, watching my baby cut teeth, right? His teeth are growing in and he's suffering. Like it, it's painful and he doesn't understand why what's happening. Um, he doesn't actually have the capacity to know that although it's extremely painful, it's really good, right? Like it's, it's good and natural that his teeth are growing in. And so I've been, that has prompted me to think a lot about how, you know, how foolish would it be for me if because he was suffering, because this is painful, I sought some procedure where I stopped his teeth from growing in or I took out all his teeth so he didn't have to suffer the pain of growing. You know, that that would be so stupid, right? But that is how some people relate and think about suffering. They think like uh-huh. we should never, like at all costs, you should never allow your kids to experience any suffering. Um, it's so naive. It's so silly. <laughs> um, but that is how we approach it sometimes. And so think about it this way. Like we have to allow our children to grow. And sometimes that's going to involve things that are very painful that cause them discomfort. And of course, of course, my duty as a mother in these moments is to help him in whatever way I can. And I have no problem with trying to alleviate that pain. If it's really bad, Motrin is an option or a gel is an option, but I can't completely take, like he has to go through this. He has to do this. I can't take his teeth out because I don't want him to experience any pain. And so sometimes God absolutely allows us to go through pain and suffering because it is absolutely what is best for us. It is absolutely that refining fire. And sometimes we don't understand why, why is this happening? I don't get it. And that is when you have to be patient and wait on the Lord. And you have to be willing to trust that what he's doing in this painful situation is actually for your best. And I I think a lot of Christians don't ever arrive to that place um, of being willing to go, okay, Lord, like this is painful. I don't understand it, but I trust that you're doing something with it. Um, So that was, I would say that's flip side number one. And then the flip side number two is, you know, yeah, there are times where our duty towards pain is to do everything that we can to alleviate it Um, and to not just, you know, say, oh, well, this is good for you. So, you know, it's again, it's not like I would say to my infant, no, teeth are good. So no or a gel for your gums. You know, that's that is not <laughs> I don't think that's a Christian position either. I think the Christian position, I mean, look all throughout history, who is the main builders of hospitals and who, you know, who is going into dangerous places to try to alleviate it is it is is Christianity. It's Christians who, uh, because we value the image of God, we want to, in whatever ways that are realistic and that we can, to alleviate suffering when possible. Um, and so, you know, those two things have to be have to be acknowledged. And I also think one of our, our duties towards suffering is to really do the painful work of asking is this self-inflicted? 
Like, am I? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, am I? That was my that was my main <laughs> note. That was my first thing I wrote in my notes is like, is it you? Are is you the you? one? Is it you? Are you the problem? Yeah. Because enough I mean, people don't ask that question. Like enough people don't ask that question. And and that is what I see a lot in the the deconstruction movement is people take these true and good statements and because they refuse to trust God and they want to lean on their own understanding, they fall over, get whacked in the face and then go, oh, it was the Christians that whacked me in the face. It's like, well, no, actually, you're the one doing it. Like you're the one when you lean on your own understanding, the whole point of saying is lean on God, trust not in your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Why? Because your understanding is going to fall because you're a finite creature. And when you fall, you get hurt. And so that's what I see a lot of when people talk about suffering and and how Christians deal with suffering and and this high control religion. It's like, mm, this is I'm, I've listened to you long enough to hear that the problem is actually you right now <laughs> yeah yes yeah i think that happens so often um and i do you sent me the screenshot of the email that this episode was born from and um it was the it was the pet sins the deceitful and that's that was what like self-deception that was what we were talking about obviously that whole those whole two episodes were about that is just if you are suffering and you have zero ability to look at it in any kind of way, um, you're not going to be able to eliminate yourself as the culprit. Um, and so often we are so often we're the culprit. Like it's not even that the suffering in and it's in and of itself is like a wicked thing. But sometimes it's just that we're the culprit in terms of we feel entitled to deliverance only being the only option for suffering. And so it's like, look, this is where you're at. You're in this darkness, this despair, this yeah. situation. Yeah. And the problem that so even some of that may not be your problem that may have you may not be the problem in that situation. But a lot of times I think it's like, well, we, we do, we just become the problem because it's like, well, the only way I can do better is for this to just be taken away. And for, for, for me to not have to feel this at all, for me to not have to, to deal with it. Um, and for me to not have to, um, again, it's like, I was talking about those, those instances, those opportunities to be faithful. It's, it's like us, you know, being like, well, I didn't ask for any opportunities to be faithful today. Like, okay, that's great. But like, I didn't ask for any strengthening because strengthening is hard. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so every time any little thing happens that causes you discomfort, like you're out. You've, you've not built any tolerance for any suffering whatsoever. You're the problem. Now, the great and that's in a situation where the originating problem was not actually you it right. could have been you know a situation right. of out completely out of your control right but yeah i um i think that that's uh, i mean certainly it's not always that but right 
that's that's all that situation is going to present itself whether or not you're suffering due to your own to no fault of your own right you are going to still have to manage right your reactions and i and i think sometimes we get even stuck like we start to suffer before we're even suffering <laughs> like oh if that happened to me i just don't even know what i would do and we're given to like all this anxiety and fretting and i started i started just like i noticed when i was having thoughts like that like what would i do i just started telling myself like you would have peace like yeah. it, like it seems to you now like it would be impossible in that situation you're playing out in your mind that you would have peace and yep. it's like well what do i know what do i know about god right I know that he'll give he'll give me peace. I know that I can suffer well because of him, not because of me. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, we like get we're like suffering before we're even actually suffering. Oh yeah, um, anxiety. I find that the anxiety over something potentially happening is often worse than the thing actually happening. Like the, it's the, the story you tell yourself in your head is, is worse. Um, and I experienced that kind of this week where it's kind of like you said, it's like you tell yourself, oh, if this happens, it's going to be the end of the world. This is going to be terrible. Um, and I remember having that thought of like, if all of us start throwing up at the same time, this is going to really be awful. And that's true. That's true. But when you're in it, you, I just knew, I just remember, you know, it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm feeling like I'm dying. And I remember thinking to myself, well, this can't last forever. It's not, it's not going to, I don't know how long it's going to last, but the reality is I'm probably not going to (laughs) die. Like, and that was my kind of very chill attitude about it as it was happening was just like it's gonna stop eventually whereas pre throwing up me was like wow this is gonna be awful this is gonna be terrible and both of those sentences were true um but at the end of the day there is a calm it's kind of like you're saying like i really believe that god gives his people peace when they need it. Right. So sometimes you kind of presume upon the grace of tomorrow. Like you think I'm not going to have, like, I don't have enough grace for tomorrow. And it's like, well, that's okay. Because like, you just have to live today. (laughs) You can't actually live tomorrow yet. Um, so I, I think that when you're, you know, something you have to consider is, um, and you've heard us saying this a lot lately is like, you have to choose your heart, right? So sometimes you need to choose something today that is really difficult in order for tomorrow to be less difficult. You've talked about, um, you know, helping your tomorrow self before you think about your tomorrow Mm -hmm. self. Um, I talk to myself and my kids about choosing our heart, right? And, you know, that's been something for me that I've really been focusing on in the gym is just like, I'm going to go do something physically difficult. I'm going to go suffer physically at the gym 
because I don't want to suffer in other ways when I'm older. Right. And, and I do, we, everything you do like that, you have to acknowledge and hold loosely. I don't know what the Lord has in store for me. I might not have Mm -hmm. legs next week. I completely acknowledge that. (laughs) I completely acknowledge that I'm not in control. Um, But what do I know about the general truths and patterns of how God has set up the world? A general truth and pattern is that if I um, waste my health, if I don't, if I don't invest in my health, I don't get to keep it. That's for sure. Um, Now we all don't get to keep our health forever because I I realize I'm going to die no matter how many leg exercises I do. So all of the naysayers, yes, I I am acknowledging that no one gets to keep their health forever. Um, But we all for sure know that if you sit on the couch and just eat French fries, you're going to lose it really fast. But that's another kind of hard. So that's a different hard. There's a hard in in willfully throwing your health out the window. And there's a hard in putting the effort in to maintain strength and to grow. And you ha- you're going to choose one. You're going to do one or the other. Not Maybe not to those extremes, obviously, but you're going to be somewhere on this spectrum choosing what you find to be more difficult. You know, when you hear people talk about... Um, It's just such a common thing to say, like, oh, I know if I do that, I'm going to feel sick later, but I'm going to do it anyway. You're what you're telling me is you're choosing which hard you prefer. Um, And so all that to say, sometimes you need to choose suffering now in order to avoid suffering later. You need to choose the hard thing now. Right. And this could be true of, you know, talking to a young engaged couple like, hey, don't have sex now. Um, it's going to be better for you later. Like there's all kinds of things in life where it's like, you need to choose the hard. You need to choose the difficulty of obedience now. Um, because God has promised blessings with these choices later. Um, and because my brain is, I had a million in my head earlier, but my brain's not working. So literally every example I had has died, but I think you all, Probably I can stop. <laughs> I think you probably understand yeah. <laughs> right there. <laughs> well, so what I was going to say is like, in a way, like if you're the problem, it's good news. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because you, you can, have if a you're direct, the problem, you can fix it. Yeah. You have a direct line to the problem. And, and consider this. Being able to get rid of suffering is not a luxury that everyone has. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Not everyone can just get rid of it. Not everyone can get rid of their suffering. That's the nature right. of some types of right. suffering. Um and uh yeah, I think we I think even that should produce thankfulness to the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Th- thank you that my suffering well literally only involves me deciding yeah. to stop doing it the way that's making it suffery. <laughs> uh, that's really true. That Yeah, that's really true. <laughs> um, the only other thing I put in my notes was um, this just like popped into my head while I was watering my garden. <laughs> it was uh, 
if suffering is bitter, you might be too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that probably is the central question that people really have when they think about suffering well is did I do it without any bitterness? Yeah. Um, or how do I do it without bitterness? Um, yes. And that obviously is because that is what our hearts are bent towards, right? We don't we don't want to suffer. Um, we resent suffering and we can turn bitter really, really quickly. And I think, you know, all the things we've been talking about are essentially how you get out of it. You wait on the Lord, you take a take a hard look at what your duty is towards it and then follow that. Um, just take a hard look at it. And I, I think a lot of times we believe that if something is really painful, this is a false belief people have. So let's say this thing is extremely, extremely painful that's been done to me or this situation that I've been put in. A false belief people have is in order for me to get out of this suffering and to not be bitter, I have to put in the exact same level of extremity or effort in order to get out of it. And that's just not true like you really can decide you know what i'm not going to be bitter about this you can just decide it, it it doesn't you know if something took a day to happen you don't have to take the whole day <laughs> to get out of it <laughs> you don't have to now you might need to continually be in prayer you might need to ask the lord more than once um, you might need to yeah. spend time in scripture. But what I'm saying is if something took 10 years to happen and you just found out about it, you don't need to wait 10 years. It's not going to take you. We tell people that we tell people, no, that, you know, you the amount of time you get to be bitter or the amount of time you get to quote unquote heal or the, it is equal to the amount of time. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. What I see is that we should be quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to give up bitterness. We should be slow to speak, quick to listen, um, quick to be obedient. Obedience is right now all the way with a good attitude um these i see no teaching in scripture that what you have to do first before before you can heal before you can this before you can that first you have to wallow in it for this amount of time and have this much and it's like that is not what scripture says no and I'm not giving you a timeline that you have to live in, but I am saying that you should absolutely question any ideology or philosophy that says that um, you have to feel bitter, angry, this or this or that for a certain amount of time, because that is not a biblical idea. Yeah. Um, and it's probably Marxism <laughs> uh, just in today's day and age. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say that any I wish Marxism. I could just title the episode. <laughs> it's probably Marxism. 
no one would know so what yeah about. so i'm not gonna do that Marx- but i want i want to yeah marxism is that's that this is basically what there's a bunch of people that you can thank for this but it's basically the idea that if you've suffered in a certain way you're entitled to something right um and that comes with a whole host of problems which you can see playing out before your very eyes (laughs) um but that you don't it's not biblical that's not it's not a a biblical worldview we know that because we can actually put our finger on it and we can look at the people that the purveyors of this the suffering equals entitlement and they clearly say they're not christians and they don't believe the bible but right. we also know that um suffering doesn't equal entitlement so we know that we are going to suffer that's in the bible but nowhere do we see suffering equaling entitlement um, if anything, we see suffering and then faithfulness. Um, and that means that even in the face of suffering, you're yeah. faithful. Yeah. Uh, one of the main things that, that suffering equals entitlement produces is um, the desire to be a victim and the desire to have suffered uh, because you're basically poor. In a world where suffering equals entitlement, you're poor if you have no suffering. And that's going to mean you're going to create suffering of your own. Yeah. Um, undeniably, you will create it because you need to have it. You don't want to be poor in a world where suffering is currency. You want to be rich in it because right. that entitles you to more and more. Right. Um, and that's just not that's not at all. Uh, we're not we're not we're supposed to be slow to offend we're supposed to bounce back quickly we're supposed to be reviled and not revile in return um you know and and even just the christian like our our the ultimate victim in god's story was the son and he didn't he didn't uh lash out he Right. And, and there was no, there was no, um, there was no, uh, he didn't, he didn't actually die in a self-seeking way at all. Right. He, he wasn't seeking any entitlement. There was no, like, yeah, there was no, uh, value for himself in the immense suffering right. that he went through. Um, and that's how we're to look as victims um that that's our image of how we're to look now i doubt many of us think god will have to suffer in the way the son did um but that is our that's who we're supposed to always be looking to um and those two just so you know like those two things sit in total opposition to one another wanting to be a victim sits in total opposition to laying your life down <laughs> right for nothing in return right. <laughs> right i think too it's hard to hear but maybe not if you're actually a christian like if think about it if the lord didn't spare his own son what makes you think 
that you get to be spared from suffering. <laughs> like, and if God is after your looking more and more like the sun there, it's going to, it's going to be a part of it. And it's not, it's not wasted. It's not in vain. And I think that's, if I could leave anybody with an encouragement is that when you're in the middle of it, you're going to be tempted to think this is wasted. This is in vain. This is like, why do I, this isn't, you know, like, Lord, I don't feel like this is accomplishing what you would want it to. Like, you have to know that those feelings are not true and you need to tell the truth to them. And I know that that's very difficult to do in the moment, but it's very, very necessary. And it is trusting in God's character and who he is. Trusting that he's, he's never going to put you in any situation without your good in mind is how you suffer well. And when you fail to believe that you're failing to believe his promises, you're failing to believe the word. And so go back to who God is and what his character is, what he's promised, what he said. And it can be painful to believe that it can feel incongruous with reality. <laughs> um, but you have to, you have to believe it and you have to trust in his character and what he's seeking to produce in you and I truly believe when you hold on to the, that truth and those promises, that's when you will be able to suffer well. You'll be able to repent of bitterness um, and and not get stuck like those just grumpy, those grumpy deconstructors who obviously never knew who God was in the first place. Because mostly what you hear is like, you know, if God loved me, why why did these bad things happen? It's like, well, <laughs> have you never had an infant that had to cut a tooth? Like, you don't know God. He is yeah. always, he is always working for your good. Um, and if you don't believe that, you, you know, you need to, you need to question how much of this is self-inflicted. Agreed. Yeah. So, okay. Um, did you, uh, I just remembered that. I had a feminist of the week yes. last week. Do Should it. Should we tackle that quickly before we... Before I pass out. <laughs> yes. Okay. So... Um, I've been waiting for a week, our... so I'm actually excited. Yeah. And I haven't read the article for a week, so that means, of course, that I'm it's just going to give you the cliff notes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So our feminist, our feminist of the week is named Bob McCraney. He is a real estate broker in the Dallas area, and um, he is helping uh, LGBTQ plus, I think it starts with two now. It's what? two LGBTQ plus, which is two spirit, which is like non-binary if you're Native American. <laughs> I don't think you can be two spirit unless you're a Native American. A witch. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think that's the rules. I don't okay, know. Got I'm it. losing track of the rules. Who knows? The rules are made um, up and nothing matters. <laughs> yeah. It's this, this string of letters is becoming like a suggested password, y'all. <laughs> it really is. It's no, no joke. 
But anyway, so Bob McCraney is a uh, real estate broker in the Dallas area that is helping people leave Dallas and Texas in general because they are not safe. And he is doing so through, quote, the Rainbow Underground Railroad. No, Um, this cannot be real. This is the most (laughs) delusional. Okay. Oh, so um, the reason, obviously, clearly he's the feminist of the week is just that (laughs) we are propagating this comparison between what's happening in Dallas currently to the Underground Railroad. (laughs) Um, It's so painful. This is so painful. (laughs) Yeah. Even in the article, it's basically like the governor is going to sign a bill that's barring transgender women from playing female sports on uh, college female sports teams. Or like, we're not doing... um, They're not signing bills for gender-affirming care. So we're talking about... We're comparing... We're comparing people who say they feel unsafe Mm -hmm. living in Dallas, a very affluent part of the nation, growing, successful. They're saying they feel unsafe because of things like not letting children mutilate themselves or get hormones and chemically castrate themselves and letting they're not letting men play on women's sports teams. That is the equivalent of of why people fleed states via Underground Railroad because they were enslaved. <laughs> the pipeline from feminism to this is actually quite clear. Once you deny God's decree for mankind, this is the stupidity that you get. There's just Agreed. no way around it. There's just no way. This is absolutely, this is so delusional. Yes. It's well, and there, there, this is a, this is the perfect example of suffering equaling currency. It's yeah. like, I, if I can find a reason that I am suffering, Pride then, month is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, look at me. Like I am, yeah. look how afflicted, look how afflicted we are. Um, I do have to say, I love that you called it a pipeline because I reject that it's a railroad. <laughs> I do think, however, it's a pipeline. And I'm going to give you one guess as to what that pipe is filled with. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Well, (laughs) so anyway, Bob McCraney. um, You win, Bob. Old Bobbert. Yeah, helping all those people. Mrs. Bobbert McCraney. (laughs) Helping all those people move out of their 2,000 square foot homes with the swimming pool in the backyard. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Sounds like someone who just like wasn't getting his, he needed to get his quotas up. So this was the easiest way. What a grift. Yeah, seriously. Well, the you guys... Rainbow Underground Railroad. <laughs> what? You can leave us a voicemail at 470. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. 470-465-0475. Uh, 
we hope that this episode was just as weird as last week's. Because, <laughs> you know, we're just going to keep doing whatever this is. Yeah, what would be really weird is if you, like, went on Monday to get our episode and it just wasn't there. <laughs> I feel like that would be, like, a... Yeah, it would be weirder, weird, right? Okay. <laughs> Don't forget all of the wonderful pipeline jokes that you just heard are made available <laughs> by our supporters at patreon.com slash theologians. So please, if that made you laugh, <laughs> sign up there. <laughs> Join book club. We do even weirder stuff there. <laughs> True. <laughs> and we'll see you all next week. See ya. I still remember when I saw her There as she wandered in the garden Standing a stone so from her mother There in the hazy afternoon And I could hear a hallelujah And though I felt there and then, I still do.